Welcome to the TFT Podcast. I'm Matt. That's Ryan. Hi, Ryan. Hey, Matt. Hey, do I sound different? Yeah, you sound you sound a little bit different. You, it sounds like you're actually talking into a, like a nice condenser microphone. Did you buy a condenser microphone? No, but I'm also not alone. What? Hey, guys. <laughs> Why, it's uh, overthinker Mark Lee, uh, who last podcasted with us on the TFT podcast on, about the film Almost Famous, here to talk about some rock and roll. How are you doing, Mark? I'm doing great. <laughs> Screaming guitar solo sound. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, that was my Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure reference to you. So uh, we are here to talk about the Hold Steady's uh, record, Teeth Dreams, released this year. Um, and uh, so, as, as we usually say, if you haven't listened to it, it's on all the streaming services. Pause this uh, podcast and go stream all of Teeth Dreams or, or buy it on Amazon and use the overthinking it referral code if you want us to make 30 cents from your, uh, from your purchase of the record. Um, it's not like a lot of the, uh, the punk or DIY records that we've had in the last couple weeks uh, where it only takes 20 or 25 minutes to listen through to the record. This is an actual long playing LP. Right, uh, more like the pretty reckless. <laughs> <laughs> actually, I, mean, I think we should talk about that because it's actually like the pretty reckless in more than a few ways. Yeah, I thought you were. I thought that was just a knock on on the hold steady, but uh, you know, but yeah, it's it's it is a knock on the hold steady, but it's also an interesting observation about <laughs> maybe uh, maybe it's a knock on the pretty reckless by comparing them to the hold. <laughs> I know you got. Uh, Feature not a bug is all I'm going to say. I will say I had more fun listening to the Pretty Reckless album than I had listening to the Hold Steady to, to Teeth Dreams anyway because I I wasn't a huge Hold Steady uh, aficionado so I made my way through the back catalog this week and we can talk about uh, we can talk about that uh, a little bit but I guess I guess let's get things uh, started let's let's kick things off. You know, with with the question, um, Mark, since you are our guest, I want to give you sort of pride of place in the discourse here. So, you know, this um, this Craig Finn fellow with yeah. his uh, with his, you know, multi episode uh, rock operatic narrative of um of you know similar characters with his. I'm glad this question's not loaded. Um. <laughs> <laughs> with his his attempts at a a sort of Springsteen esque uh, quality to the lyrics or to some of the like the wall of sound uh, production with his uh, uh, pretension to <laughs> uh, rock and roll um, profundity and uh, and godhood. Go on. Mark. <clears throat> yes. Is this guy for real? Uh yes. That's a, <laughs> no, that's I like the I like the tone of voice. That I think right, we, we pick out something that qualifies the yes. And in your well, case the answer is always yes. Right? <laughs> no, this is actually this is actually a fairly unqualified yes on my part. And maybe it's just the whiskey talking. Uh, I'm actually drinking whiskey here. Um uh, in honor of the whole study and sort of it's uh, alcohol infused. Mark, there was uh, a side of the whiskey I didn't want you to see. <laughs> but too late, too late. Here. Listen, Mark's whiskey is really. I hope Mark's whiskey doesn't frighten you, Matt. Um. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so just it, here's my approach to the whole study: is that um, it's like it's coming from an honest place. Uh, you know, they have the whole like, growing up in mini, uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota business that uh, is infused all throughout the lyrics. Um, the big rock sound is a really um, earnest attempt at re- recreating that sort of thin Lizzie Springsteen sound going on. Um, there's just a lot of uh, artistic intentionality going on in the entire catalog of the Hold Steady. Uh, does it drift into, uh, what were you talking about, like, you know, pretension of, uh, you know, uh, of some sort of, like, high rock art that maybe is not quite deserved? Uh, maybe it goes in that direction, sure. But, you know, the guy's trying hard. Uh, they, they mean what they say, and... Um, and I enjoy it, and it's and it rocks, man. It's got big guitars, so that's real to me. There's nothing more real to me than a screaming guitar solo. So, okay, so well, this is f I mean, you. Well, I can say fuck, fuck you, man. Yeah, yeah you can so, swear on this podcast. 
Uh, what I was going to say is that, I mean, this is a band, I think that, piggybacking on what uh, Mark said, this is a band that, you know, it, it's hard to actually consider the question of the the Hold Steady's realness or Craig Finn's realness um, without kind of going to the back catalog, in part because this is a band that starts its first album, uh, Almost Killed Me, with a mission statement. Um, and the first song is a song called Positive Jam. Um, and, and the first, and the song has really three main parts, right? So the first part is a narration, a, basically a spoken word narration of the history of the 20th century, of America in the 20th century, from the 1920s to the 1990s. I think with like the dot-com boom, right? And it, yeah, exactly. Uh, the last and line, bust. it says, we put it all down. Uh, in the 90s, we were wired and well-connected. We put it all down uh, on technology and lost everything we invested. And then... Um, and then, the, and then there's a big hit. The band enters, and he says, "We're going to start it when we're w- with a positive jam." Um, and then, the, and then it leads up with a little more buildup to a a ripping guitar solo. Um, and then he says, um, "And and that in this in this he says, I got bored when I wasn't in a band." Um, and the biographical note is that Craig Finn, um, in the late '90s, early 2000s, moved from Minneapolis uh, at, when his prior band, uh, post-punk band Lifter Pooler, ended, uh, moved to Brooklyn. Um, and uh, around the same time, Tad Kubler, who had played bass, I believe, in Lifter Pooler, uh, also moved to um, to Brooklyn, and they started um, playing music together. And what they and and so the next, the last bit of this song, following the guitar solo and kind of interspersed with guitar licks, kind of is a statement of purpose that says, "All you sniveling indie kids, hold steady." <laughs> Right, so they're they're setting up all you clustered up cl- clever kids. Hold steady. Um, I got bored when I wasn't in a band, um, but I start so I started a band. Man, uh, we're gonna start it with a positive jam. By the way, in the way that you do, uh, Milton uh, Matt, I'm doing this from memory. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. Yeah, this I is, can attest this to that. is I'm flying without rap genius, guys. Like. <laughs> Uh, so okay, so throw the up in here, right? Can you unpack that? You say that's the mission statement, right? There's a couple of mission statements there, right? One is, you know, we're, we're starting with a positive jam. And by the way, it's worth noting that I think in all three times that I've seen the whole study live, they've started, um, or two times that they've started their shows with that song, right? We're going to start it with a positive jam. So there's yeah, that, yeah, yeah, right? Which actually is a little bit ironic given this, the dark subject matter of a lot of their uh, of their music. Yeah. So there's that, and the other thing is you saying lines like "All you sniveling indie kids, hold steady." So what does that mean exactly? Like hold, I mean, like hold steady as in like, you know, like brace yourself for the impact of this like really authentic and sincere rock and roll. Like what's going on there? When yeah, you say, hold, hold I think steady. that that's a real question, and it's because if I were to would have asked the first question, I think in some ways the sub question of the first question is what does it mean to hold steady? Right? What does it mean to be the hold steady? Um, and so I think that and again to go back to context. Um, and some of you get some of this context in a lot of the rest of the first album of uh, Almost Killed Me that the a lot of the late or sorry the early 2000s 2002 2003 uh, 2004 um this was like the peak of uh, the the one wave of um indie rock in uh in Williamsburg uh Brooklyn um and it was focused on a lot of 80s uh, revival um, and on a lot of whether it was 80s revival in the way of new wave revival uh, or the way of 80s revival of, of post-punk. Um, so there were bands that were popular uh, like Interpol, uh, The Rapture, uh, Liars that had various uh, waves of pulling out various strands of music of the 80s. Um, and so and, and you, you hear this. Um, in in positive jam, he said the '80s almost killed me. I don't rec- recall them quite so fondly, right? And so, and at this point, like uh, Craig Finn is a bit is 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 our age basically. He's in his early 30s when he's uh, starting the hold studies. Uh, actually, was a um, you know a teenager uh, or 20 something. Uh, in the in the 80s, um, and so kind of is looking askance at the kind of 
the the irony filled uh, nostalgia and and the kind of um, that was that he kind of perceived um, was in the music scene. And I think another song on the album is called "Everybody's a Critic and Most People Are DJs." Um, <laughs> and and so that and then elsewhere on the album they say that we're just a bar band. Um, and and it's interesting though, right? So and I think that in and so I I think though that there is just as much. It's more choose your artifice, right? Choose, choose your, they, they have chosen their illusion and they're actually choosing, the, the, <laughs> they're actually choosing the Guns N' Roses illusion. Like they actually take, they actually took Guns N' Roses as an instruction manual and said, yes, we have chosen our illusion and this is it. This is it right here. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and, and because there is in the same way that when we talked about um, sleigh bells, um, and, and that, uh, a few, uh, a few months ago, uh, and that their, their song Bitter Rivals is this kind of, you know, tearing down their, um, like their rivals and this rhetorical violence against rivals. I think that there's all of this so that the, the whole study is claiming a, um, a kind of realness of we're just, we're just a couple of dudes from the Midwest playing some rock and roll. But there is in that itself, that itself is a, is, is a statement of, of defiance and, and, you know, um, and, and, and of, uh, you know, and, and of, of political dominion saying like, and, and, and I think you see this as this band has gotten bigger and bigger, you know, there's a narrative where they say, well, we just never even thought we'd play a live show. Uh, and we never, you know, we never thought we'd be we big like this, and I think that there's, you know, that seems a little disingenuous coming from a band that like starts his first album by mapping out a brief history of the 20th century, <laughs> um, and so I don't know. So I think that that's a little bit of context, but it still raises, I mean, you know, that throughout um, the the this song and throughout uh the album and a few other places the band you know it's it's a rare um band that uses its name as a lyric as well um so i guess i'll i'll kind of cap this bit with a question to you guys of what do you kind of you know either through parsing it out or just in how you've taken it what do you take it to mean to hold steady what does it mean to hold steady or what are the multiple meanings of holding steady yeah, right. It's it's something it's something about sort of not getting excited or not getting exercised about the bullshit that you usually get exercised about, right? Like it's it, implicit in that claim is that there are there are things more important than the things that you care about, and I'm going to tell you about them. You know, uh, and and my you know my set of concerns is superior to your um, to your set of concerns. I mean, the thing that that's so kind of like saying easy, easy partner. Right? <laughs> Let me just go and be quick on my uh, take on it, which is that um, I, when I when I thought of the meaning of the name of the band, the Hold Steady, I think well, um, I imagine like if you're on a, a on a boat that's in the rocking seas, and the captain of the boat says, "Everybody, hold steady!" Right? In other words, like let's say, hold steady, hold on to something that um, that is a, a firm foundational thing for yourself. You mean and, you mean like a rock, perhaps, or per- perhaps rock. And roll <laughs> exactly yes. So hold on to that right, and 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 sort of like you know use that as your anchor against all of the f- external forces that are swirling about you, right? Be it the whatever indie rock scene that you don't like, or a New York City that alienates you because you are from the Midwest, or what what have you, right? Yeah, I think I think that that actually makes a lot of sense, and I think that I mean in terms of you know positivity and jam uh and and why what how po- starting it with a positive jam fits in that is that i mean so you have positivity kind of as a concept is is a word that um it worms its way throughout the hold steady and i think that part of why we're kind of doing this backstory is that you know if you're you it would be interesting to come to the whole city just with like teeth dreams being the first and only thing that you're listening to it, it i imagine it's almost akin to the my first exposure to arrested development was ro- watching a random episode in the middle of season two when it was the show was on tv and i didn't find it to be that funny or interesting um and and i i think i watched the um like uh, the the afternoon delight episode, the Christmas party episode, um, and then only when I went back and watched 
all of season one and all of season two, I realized all of the, you know, the, you know, the, all of the inside jokes and references. And in the same way, there are words and ideas and places that come up again and again in the hold steady. Um, and it's something that, uh, that people that like the band like quite a lot about it. But I think as we kind of dig into teeth dreams, it'll be something that we kind of interrogate and see what work that's doing. Well, right. Is that good? Is that a good thing? Is that a positive feel? Well, I'm, I'm not done. I want to talk about, uh, no, no, yeah. And, positive and I, jam a little, a little I bit, but like, let's stick a pin in that to, to yeah, 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 circle yeah. back to so that. I will say that I actually also, um, and I, I, you know, as someone who both loves this band and likes this album a lot, uh, on one of my sticky notes that I wrote in preparation for this episode, I wrote, uh, and I could even photograph this and put it in the show notes. Does having said awesome stuff in the past get you off the hook from saying new awesome stuff? <laughs> uh, and that's, that's, uh, and so I think that the, the big question, uh, with this album is that, you know, how do you tell the difference between, um, like, you know, dr- drawing on and playing in your sandbox and spinning your wheels in that sandbox? <laughs> um, and especially, you know, this is the band's sixth album. Um, they're, they, you know, they started when they were in the 30s. Now they're in their 40s. Um, members have kids. Members have, um, you know, gone, gone sober, um, have had health problems. Uh, family members have died. And so how do you, you know, and there have been different levels of success and, and, you know, backlash and things like that. And so I think that, you know, um, I think that then, you know, in some ways, that question also then also revisits the question of what does it mean to hold steady? Like, wh- like when, when I say hold it steady, it's like a thing that happens forever, right? Um, it's almost a, to you know, kind of misparaphrase Stevie uh, uh, Stevie Wonder. When I hold steady with you, it's going to be forever. Um, I believe when I hold steady with you, it's going to be forever. Um, so, but to get into positivity, so. I think that so there um the Jose's fourth album is called Stay Positive. Um and the use of positivity I think like relates a lot to its usage in hardcore punk actually. Um and so that there was a, there were a lot of um there was a a sub movement of kind of 80s um like the kind of it was a second wave of of hardcore punk uh those bands associate associated with bands like seven seconds and youth of today that was um referred to as positive hardcore or youth crew hardcore um and that the idea was um to and i i'm not super familiar with as familiar with this wave as some of the waves i've talked about on previous uh, albums but you hear kind of this is one of the worlds and one of the sandboxes that they play in uh, lyrically um and you, like actually both youth of today and seven seconds have been referenced in prior um hold steady uh shows and this kind of world of dudes who are at shows i think that part of this problematic of staying positive in the hardcore world is about you know, not having it become violent and, and having it be about being straight edge and being a community uh, and and uh, and trying to build up um, kind of youth driven collective action. And I kind of see the that, um, you know, that rather than that, the, the kind of violence that is happening in in Brooklyn at this time is not the violence in like bloody mosh pits and and skinheads bringing knives into 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 shows, but is a discursive violence that of of liking things before they were cool, um and 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 the kind of discursive violence of of um, tastemakers, and so that I think that in that way being positive, like in some ways the best way to counter that is by by jamming because you know who jams like fish fish jams that's not cool what's going on what's happening what is this band (laughs) you're not punk and i'm telling everyone (laughs) (laughs) um what 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 do you make ryan as like a a person who can quote it verbatim from memory of the idea that it's not just a, a um history of the 20th century it's a history of the 20th century told in the first person right like we were like we woke up in the 20s and there were flappers right like we came back in the 40s 40s or like we we tripped throughout the 60s the 80s almost killed me you know that it's 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 from the point of view of a of a consciousness that's like or a subjectivity that sort of experienced the entire uh the entire 
20th century. It's not like, so this happened to these people and then this happened and then this happened and then this happened. Um, it w- it would be as though Howard Zinn started his people's history book, like Columbus rolled up on my shores and killed me with you know, I mean, Columbus almost killed me. Right? <laughs> right. Yeah, absolutely. Answer, with his so, guns and his smallpox. Yeah. The answer is that Craig Smith is a time traveler, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah, well, I think that, yeah, exactly, that it's kind of like... Come on, Occam's Razor, it's, guys. It's, it's, it's <laughs> like, Mark, uh, hold steady. It's like that uh, It's like that Darren Aronofsky movie. What is it? Is it 2048 or whatever? Mm-hmm. Um, the Is that what it's called? Or... No, uh, the fountain. The fountain. That's it. I don't know why oh, I called God. it twenty forty eight. Yeah, the fountain. It's like the fountain or like <sighs> lost or something. Um, I think that the other the question. So you know, to reframe Matt's question is who is the we there? And I was actually thinking about that when I was listening to this today. I mean, in some ways, the we is the. And again, I think this fits with my interpretation that there's a claim of sovereignty being made here, right? Uh-huh. So that there is a we who is the um, the the youth there there's you know it is in some ways the youth of today right um and that you know if there is it's a youth or a a teenagerness um a kind of the it's kind of the youth of america the and and you know actually to use a title that's in another um uh hold steady record the boys and girls uh, of Mm, america right and especially because a lot of what's happening here is the story of of the birth of popular culture uh the birth of teenagerhood um the uh of of suburbanization of mtv that in some ways he's kind of telling the um I mean, it really is in some ways, you know, the a pro, uh, pro like, uh, I can't even say the word, but a, uh, you know, a preview uh, of, of kind of the TFT world. Right. Um, it was sort of a, a, it's a prolegomenon to any future holding steady. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's ex- no, no, that's exactly right. You said I just wanted you to say it, Matt, because oh you said it so much more beautifully. Hey, so, so let's go back to something that we brought up earlier, which is sort of like approaching this band anew. And, and Matt is sort of as, a, as someone who just recently cashed in his Hold Steady V card. Um, so I was, there was, I was a bear and a maiden fair. <laughs> right. All right. So I was actually introduced to the Hold Steady by, <laughs> surprise, surprise, Ryan Shealy. Um, he basically described to me as uh, if you like punk and you like Bruce Springsteen, something along those lines, and you're going to like the whole study. I know how uh, to sell things to people. <laughs> like, I know, I, it's like, hey, what do you like? This thing that I have is what you like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so um, Shealy uh, turned me on to uh, the album Boys and Girls in America, which I love, 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 love. Um, and at the time, um, I approached it as... Uh, listening to it and thinking, okay, so I love the sound, I love the big piano, I love the big rock, that Springsteen-esque kind of thing going on. The lyrics um, are seem to be this really interesting mix of literary references and things about the Midwest and Catholicism. And I don't know how much you guys talk about Catholicism on the TFT podcast, but it comes up with some frequency on the Overthinking a Podcast because a lot of us grew up Catholic and we were sort of really uh, attached a lot to those types of references. Anyway, um, this really interesting lyrical cocktail, which I never claimed to fully understand, but uh, were, were just like nice sort of like turns of phrases to the ear. And that combined with the, um, with the, the musical prowess of it that really speaks to that like stoner 70s rock uh, wannabe rock god and guitar god in me. Um, I just really latched on the music and, and went back and, and, and you know, looks for the rest of the back catalog and you know, I've seen them a couple of times in concert since then. So um, I, I have really uh, come to enjoy the whole steady, but with important but that I never really spent the time to fully explore the density of the lyrics, which as I started to uh, research uh, for this podcast, I was like, holy crap. Like, what is the expectation for this? Like, you just like layer upon layer and it references to David Foster Wallace and John Berryman, who's like a, what a the famous poet from from Minneapolis. And like, who, who's supposed to get all this? I mean, the main thing you need to know about John Berryman is that he jumped off a bridge. Well, yeah, that much I figured out. Um, so anyway, that's all, all that to say is that I approached the whole study. I, I liked it mostly for the music and the lyrics were interesting enough. And now that um, you know, I've sort of come face to face with the mi- lyrics, I'm left scratching my head a little bit. <laughs> like, well, this is really intense, and um, well, you know, how much is, is this really adding to things? Uh, you know, sure, like I liked it a lot, um, but now face to face with it, I'm not 100 percent sure what to make of it. So, so that's me. So, Matt, tell tell us how you cash in your whole city V card. Well, it's it's um, yeah, I I don't know. It's interesting. My uh, 
My the first exposure to this, like TFT, has sort of ruined me for for listening <laughs> listening to music casually, right? Like I sort of put a lot of weight now on the sort of first moments of an album, right? Because one of the things, one of the interesting things that we've discovered, like ancillary to our main research project, but but no less interesting for that, um, is that it's. Uh, is that like uh, artistically serious albums usually start with some kind of sonic event that functions as either a declaration of independence or an attention-getting move, uh, an announcement of some kind that things are different, things have changed, or you know uh, that there are you know there's a new sheriff in town or there's a new set of concerns. Um, that's that's important. This record starts with a snare drum being hit and a and a guitar riff. So it's almost like it's almost a like a back to basics. Um, well, they didn't. So what you're saying is they didn't start this one with a positive jam. <laughs> are, are you saying that they are continuing to hold steady to what they've been doing for a long time? Well, yeah. I mean, I I sort of was. I I, I wasn't totally sure what to make of it when when I heard it. Honestly, like the thought that I have was like the thought that I had at the time. And this is uh, you know probably revealing what an asshole I am. But like, well, this is stock. You know, like uh, yeah, like. It didn't, <laughs> Didn't even come out of the custom bin, like 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 as in photography. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> this is like stock rock, you yeah, know. Yeah. Um, but I think that there may be something something to that, and something to the idea of holding steady. Uh, something to the idea of like holding steady or holding to a principle, right? Um, and then uh, and then like my my just sort of the first uh listen through to the album just kind of letting it letting it happen and not trying to dig in all that deeply my sense was that it was pretty highly produced i mean pretty it sounded pretty yeah, slick like the guitar you know the guitar sound was was like you can tell that someone slaved over that it had kind of a pristine or, or a crystalline quality to it that when i went back and listened to the catalog there was a lot more sort of messiness or raunchiness a kind of a Healing dirtiness. Yeah, I kind of like a bar band, but like a very good bar band, you know, like uh, a, a bar band that shows you a good time while you're out um, in a bar, you know, uh, and that that like the, the sound was grungier. It was a little maybe a little uh, mid rangier and a little muddier. Uh, uh, yeah. sonically rather than being rather than being sort of clear and pristine. So my my first reaction to the album was that this is wow, this is really uh, th- this seems really heavily produced. But, but an interesting note along the in terms of the evolution of the whole steady sound from something much uh, grittier to something more polished is that Craig Finn, who is famous for his sort of uh, sing talk Delivery. I guess he was sing talking before Kesha was, right? Um, he, somewhere along the way, he took voice lessons so he could sing better. <laughs> um, and I guess it's argu- arguable if that's to the to the uh, benefit or detriment to the appeal of the band. Yeah, and I, th- and I mean, and and actually related to that, that the ratio of of singing to talking mm. has changed a lot over the yeah, band's so basically uh, reversed, right? uh, history. Well, no, I actually, no, 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 that's not saying that. No, it's increased, but not, not entirely. Well, it cha- but I think it changed. I, you could actually chart a graph, and there's enough data points, right? This is now the sixth uh, album, and then there's also Craig Finn has a 2012 um, solo album as well. And so you could actually kind of chart either album by album or song by song the sing-talk ratio. And it actually, I don't think it's a straight line, um, I think that this actually goes back to a higher proportion of talking. Um, and I think that was, that leads me to, in some ways, not only just want to share my story, but I think that how I read this album um, uh, and, and kind of just my reactions to it and even just how I feel about it as a consumer of the album um, it relates to and it is juxtaposed, I think, with Matt's in an interesting way in that. Um, so I won't say that I won't claim to have been with this band from the beginning, um, but, you know, kind of relatively so uh, I was an early adopter. I mean, I first heard about the band in uh, 2005, around the time that they're um, actually I first heard about them in 2004 uh, when I saw a poster for them playing at um, at, a, at a bar called Bar in uh, the city where all of us went to, to college. You're kidding. Uh, they played yeah, you bar? saw the whole study no, of Bar? No, no, I saw. Well, I did say that. So at a different time, I saw them. So I did not see them in that show in 2004 when they like had been around for a few months. Uh, I saw them at Bar. 
um, a few months later. So I've seen the whole study. I need to sit down and count probably 13 or 14 God, I times. used to do weekly improv shows in that back room in bar. So I, so what you're saying <laughs> yeah, is... So I, your, your feet and, and Craig Fenn's feet have touched the same floorboards. Have touched, yeah, the same disgusting floorboards. Bar, bar beer-soaked, uh, beer and uh, pizza-soaked floorboards. Yep. Um, yeah, and so, so right, so I did not see them that time, but I saw the posters. <laughs> um, and so I, I had brand awareness. And then, uh, um, and then, and then I, I got... Uh, that I first read about them and and uh, listened to them uh, when the, a year later when Separation Sunday was out two thousand five, um, and uh, you know was really into. I mean, the first two Hold Steady records uh, are two of my favorite records, and then I mean because I'm somewhere in between, right? In I think what's interesting is that in Positive Jam, Craig Finn sets up these dichotomies. You know, he wants to say either you're with us or you're against us. E- either you're a sniveling indie kid or a clustered up clever kid, or you are holding steady and i held steady for like two albums um and then and then then i really also you know what's really interesting is that my like love for the band and which kind of you know uh, echoes a lot of why mark liked it and i actually got into um like the lyrics and the the kind of self-referential uh storytelling style and the humor a lot of the kind of humor and um you know observational sharpness that's in a lot of the lyrics and actually which overlaps with a lot of the same reasons of why i like the mountain goats um uh and then that came to conflict with um my kind of the more critical uh sniveling indie sensibilities <laughs> in me uh with uh with that that kind of come from a, a knowledge that um nothing holds steady um that that time just as the 20s become the 30s become the 40s become the 50s um the the first album uh and the you know the kind of uh, groundbreaking first album and the um and the kind of really like leap to a bigger audience second album then becomes the third album that uh stretches the sound a little bit too much uh and the fourth album that doesn't regain the uh the footing and the fifth album in which it gets really acoustic and sprawly and pointless um and and so i i felt like after their the whole stage fifth album um 2010's heaven is one ever i would still go to the shows whenever they came to my city but i kept being more more and more like disappointed more and more wanting to be like the good old days um finding that fewer and fewer of the songs on an album were were jams let alone positive jams mm-hmm. um and i i was feeling like really kind of um having a a, a mixed uh, opinion about the band and i think that um What's interesting about this album for me, and actually before uh, this album came out, about a month before Teeth Dreams was released, uh, Mark and I actually went uh, with our respective uh, significant others to see the Hold Steady in concert at the Music Hall of Williamsburg. Actually, the same place where Matt, you and I saw the Mountain Goats play. Uh, and, and, and Khaki King. Don't forget Khaki King. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we saw Khaki King featuring uh, the Mountain Goats um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, in, in a lot of ways. Um, and and what was cool about this concert, Mark, I don't know if you noticed this, is that they, the way they structured the concert, because they wanted, it was framed as a 10th anniversary show. Um, and, but it was also really secretly a promotional, like, junket for this album that wasn't out yet, and was also kind of, you know, practicing those songs and uh, leading for the, their, I think, current tour. And so it was structured where they, they basically moved sequentially through their catalog, playing a handful of songs from each album and then a couple of new songs or a new song and then a handful from the next album and then uh, another one uh, and so on kind of until they then like reached the end of that went off and then did a long um, uh, encore of some of the biggest hits. And I think what's interesting and then as I got and I I was really happy. I mean, I had a blast. They played enough of the old songs that they haven't played for a while to um, to to appease the sniveling indie kid within um and but then and then and it linked enough the the newer songs linked enough to those jams that it felt like they almost recrafted the narrative and so when i come back to um this this song and when i hear the first um 
sounds and so again the the prior album um heaven was whatever is very lacks a lot of that um is much more down tempo much more acoustically textured um and had very few songs that had any punch at all so when i hear the snare hits and 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 guitars i actually what i heard is oh they're they're back and actually um the first lyric and I think we can actually start to you know start to to turn into um, you know looking at uh, teeth dreams and, and you know forty minutes into the podcast. But I think it's actually this amount of prologue is is necessary because he sort of says so he says I heard the cityscape skins are kind of kicking it again, and this is a um, a a gang that is mentioned again and again. And I think that that's less important than sort of. Beyond it picking up a story, and again, there are grand unified theories of the holds of South Minneapolis that are out there. And what I'll say is kind of what we said on um, the the um, episode on on the mountain goats is that the real action is kind of at a more meta theoretical level. Is that rather than picking up the story, uh, and uh, that what's important is that. Um, both a he's referencing something he's saying something they hasn't said for a few albums and the idea of somebody kicking it again is also i think a clue that the hold steady is 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 holding steady again um and i think that and so how i kind of read um i think that how how i read i hope this whole thing didn't frighten you and actually how i read a lot of teeth dreams is uh, and then as i is a, is a being about kind of dialogues with the various segments of the hold steady's fandom mm. um and kind of speaking to the different um now that as the hold steady nation has grown right that the revolution was started um we are holding steady but how do you hold steady uh as as the army grows um and, you know actually kind of like you know that you made a game of thrones reference earlier kind of like daenerys targaryen marching across the the um you know the the cities of of slaver bay and kind of growing the um you know breaking the chains uh, and kind of growing the the armies as they as as they go on that um you know they've grown and grown and grown you know those who are the we uh, who are holding steady and then they and they look back and realize that it's not they're not who they thought they were anymore and they themselves have changed and so this kind of concern about you know, I hope this whole thing didn't frighten you. On the one hand, um, for me, who has been there since the beginning, you know, who's basically, um, who's, who's, who's basically, uh, you know, Jorah Mormont, uh, that, uh, you know, for me, the whole thing that he, ho- that Craig Finn hopes didn't frighten me is like the, the several disappointing albums. Um, and then the, the, for, for newer fans, the turn to kind of, Lyrics that don't make any sense unless you go back into the uh, back catalog and to the violence and to the drugs uh, and to and to all these things. That's what he hopes does not doesn't frighten you. Um, and and then I and um, as we kind of dig through the rest of the album, um, I, I'll have you happy to point out some other pieces of um, of lines that I read through this uh, uh, this lens. And obviously, there is a story, and there are like many stories or vignettes, um, kind of sketches of this world. But I. Read really see this being about you know a um you know the state of the hold steady union basically. so it, so what you're saying is that it's it's a way of mr finn telling you that ryan you were right all along <laughs> <laughs> i mean if not well because because otherwise i would never probably I, I was going to be done i was about to be done with the hold steady so, <laughs> uh, if i wasn't right all along then uh then what was it all worth right <laughs> Um, so this is like a renewal, a recommitment ceremony. I mean, so to be clear, right? The, the surface lyrics of the surface meaning of these lyrics is about um, this guy. You know, you could you could say it's Craig Finn or whoever, an emotional Craig Finn, who takes a significant other, female significant other, back home with him for Christmas, uh, back to some you know his his Minnesota life, right? And uh, and, and and exposes her to all the ugly things of his past. Right, the gangs, the the drugs, uh, the the unseedy characters, and this sort of like grunt, crappy rock and roll scene that um, that he came from, right? And it's already saying like, I hope this whole thing didn't frighten you. And like, you know, it, it works on that level too. I think all of us, a lot of us, can relate to this idea of escaping a, a certain part of your youth and bringing someone back to it, um, and and kind of turning to that person and saying, I hope this whole thing 
didn't frighten you. And frighten is a, is a strong word, but I hope this thing didn't, I hope this whole thing didn't weird you out. I think it is a better way uh, to say it that relates to everybody. Uh, all that is to say, like, you know, it, uh, this meta thing going on here is uh, totally valid and very interesting. Um, but what's going on at the service level uh, is also uh, of note as well Wait, so you were actually expecting us to talk about the ser- talk about the, what the lyrics are actually know, saying right? like, what, the, what the hell I, I just brought a uh, i am not interested <laughs> yeah I, I i just brought an analytical knife to a gunfight is what i did uh, i don't know matt did this whole thing frighten you the, uh the the uh the room full frightening you now the room full of dudes the bunker down by the river you know like did that did that frighten me is that what you're saying uh, i i think either thing right like uh um any of any of the. I mean, uh, we have our own room full of dudes right here on this side. Yeah, we really do. <laughs> we have a room full of dudes who are huge, hold steady fans. Does do we frighten you? I mean, for me, it was mostly the music. You know, <laughs> some someone to go to someone to go to the shows. Yeah, with. it was a crew. You know, a crew to go to the shows with. Right? Like, I was just trying to stay positive. You know. Um, but way to pick up the lingo, Matt. Well, the the I mean, if you have to stay positive, right? Like, I'm I'm sort of I'm sort of uh, intrigued. I'm really intrigued, actually, by Ryan's. Um, I'm really intrigued by Ryan's uh, assertion that a lot of the stay positive stuff in hardcore music is like because violence could could break out at any moment, right? If an admonition like that is necessary, you know there are there are conditions that make it necessary, and and it's it's the condition of the the sort of possibility of violence like bubbling, you know, just under the surface, and unless there is this sort of strenuously policed um, keeping it positive. Uh, right, like it's it's gonna happen. Um, well, and it's and well, it's because it, and it, it, there is a lack of. I mean, it is. It's kind of the Habesian mosh pit, right? That, <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That, yeah of that, course, that, you know that it's not that um, that that Hobbes is, you know, that the Leviathan is is not telling you to stay positive, um, and so that there is a a sense of um, of of anarchy here, and and there are some guys are stronger than others, but one thing you know that that is kind of key to Hobbes is you know, state of war of all against all is that any man can kill any other man. And you might be able to kind of create a temporary alliance and off the bigger dude. Um, and so that, you know, that this kind of this, this claim of staying positive that, that when, you know, the hold steady, I, I think I may have said something about the nation, but there, you know, the kind of units, political units that it's um, dealing with are not necessarily, it's not creating a new state, right? That there are, are there maybe are tribes there are these kind of groups of people that are are brought together by shared um by a kind of community um as mark mentioned uh and and it comes up um a few times in this album more in some of the others um there is religion either and, and less of the actual kind of catholic church which itself is 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 um quite hierarchical but these kinds of you know and even um so the the you know, the bunkers down by the rivers and kind of um, gas masks. So earlier um, in in Separation Sunday, um, that there is uh, a few songs about this kind of a a kind of grassroots religious movement, a, a cultish like movement um, that uh, is also kind of I associate with that language, with b- down being by the banks uh, of the river um, and with having gas masks and kind of doing doing baptisms down by the river. And so, I, I mean, I see that actually something that's happening here uh, in these lyrics is that these things that are more loose bands are actually starting to centralize um, authority more, right? So that there is a storm brewing, right? That there is, um, you know, that in the second verse of this song, there's built, they're building a bunker, um, and they and uh, yeah, yeah, they they're, they're a survivalist cult, or they're uh, <laughs> right, know. right, right, right. But he says that you know, there's a new guy who's come out of Saint Cloud with a little ideology, and I, I, that you know, that rock genius claims that this is a guy. I mean, the rock, the rock genius is pretty annoying. I haven't on this. looked. I haven't looked at rock genius about this, but it's a prison gang, right? 
Um, I think that it could be viewed as a prison gang. I mean, so you know, it says Shepard came out of St. Cloud with a little ideology. And so one read is that, that that is where a correctional facility is. And so this is basically a Breaking Bad solution to a hold steady problem. <laughs> right. Um, and 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 that we, we've and I actually imagine then uh, that sh- this Shepard is kind of is Uncle Jack from the later seasons of um, Breaking Bad. Right. Um, and the other, and of course, it's called Shepherd, right? Like, which is right. you know, right, 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 right. And so the other thing that I associate with Saint Cloud is like Saint Cloud State University, uh, and is a university. So the other um, possibility here, and it, maybe it's not um, mutually exclusive. Oh, is that Shepherd got himself some book learning? Yeah, exactly. This shepherd is a kind of a a charismatic kind of intellectual messiah figure. Um, but either way, there's kind of these looser, you know, anarchical bands are um, starting to accumulate into something. And and the last line is Jesus. This might be a mess. The life of right? songs under punk are solitary, poor, nasty, brutish, and short. Yeah, I mean, well, exactly, but like as and and so to show that we're moving away from a, the pure state of pure punk, these songs are getting longer. <laughs> they're longer. They're slower. Can I just interject for a moment and just uh, <laughs> uh, sitting here in person to see uh, Ryan Shuley take his hammer, right? That is, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the study of institutions and political science. And find all these nails and these lyrics. It's a really, it's a beautiful thing. So, but see, here's the interesting thing, though, is that um, so I was um, got into the whole study when I was just starting graduate school, and so actually, the, this is a case where the hammers and the nails are co-produced. <laughs> that they are, that they actually, they are actually mutually constituting. This, this is, I mean, look, what Mark is seeing is like me, like swallowing my own tail and just pooping, <laughs> pooping, and pooping. <laughs> Uh, and and it's just it's just like this perpetual motion machine because this is like the core is that like this is what I was listening to when I was reading the things that I'm talking about uh, and so they became about each other they became fused. You can listen to music while you read. That's astonishing to me. Um, I mean, sometimes. I mean, again, it no, just let depends. me put this another way. You can put listen to music while you read Thomas Hobbes. I mean, I know there are all those marginal notes in Tom, in in Leviathan, but my goodness, right? Like when I was eighteen and in that great books class and reading Thomas Hobbes, I was like keeping my eyes open with toothpicks there in the periodicals reading room of SML. But 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 never mind. I think with all of these things, though, that you you engage with them multiple times when you're doing. And, 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 you know, by graduate school, I wasn't actually reading Hobbes so much because, uh, um, you know, political science is itself, uh, you know, divided into these small little bands. <laughs> Are you saying that political science did not hold steady? They, no, 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 yeah, political science has not held steady on Hobbes. Um, all, you, all you sniveling comparative politician <laughs> politics. <laughs> hold steady. All, all you, yeah, exactly. All you racist ethnographers hold steady. <laughs> all you, all you, uh, you know, all you modernists holding on and and reading Paul Kennedy's "The Rise and Fall of the Great Powers" hold steady. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um, and so, but I think that the point is that, uh, in you know, you. I read the texts multiple times and I listen to the albums multiple times. So sometimes, I mean, even like today when I, I was listening to the whole city while working today, and there was a point where I had a more intellectually arduous task of like a specific thing I was trying to solve. And I had to pause the whole study. <laughs> um, uh, and, and I, I, so I stopped holding steady, but then I resumed. You had to say, you had to say, hold steady, hold steady, hold, hold, hold steady, <laughs> hold. You had to hold, hold steady, steady. Um, so like, here's another interesting, thing about this this first song and and then of course we'll like rap right having discussed the first song <laughs> of two hold no, steady albums we, rap, we should talk about the name of the album teeth dreams okay just... yeah yeah absolutely Anyways, so, so, but yeah. but but like i the the um the relationship of the the kind of first person narrator of the song or the kind of the persona that is speaking the lyrics of the song and the and the action right like is an interesting uh, contrast to me to um, to the one on on positive jam right rather than saying like I'm in a bunker down by the river or that like I don't know we spent the twenty we spent the teens in in trenches in Europe you know we spent the twenties dancing in the thing right now I'm in a bunker down by the river it's that these guys like these guys I used to run with you know. Uh, 
are in a bunker down by the river. So there's this there's this sense of there's this sense of remove, right? And there's yeah. this sense of sort of talking about it almost as a tour guide to you know your 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 like Lena Dunham esque uh, girlfriend from Brooklyn, you know, who's who's like coming back with you, who grew up, you know, the 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 daughter of two artists, right, and is coming back to you to uh, to the Midwest to uh, bone a pharmacist uh, and to you know I don't. I don't know. I'm taking this analogy a little too far, but like uh, you're, you're explaining, you're actually kind of doing an ethnography of, of like Minneapolis hardcore culture for, for someone else rather than kind of the rhetorical claim being, Hey, I experienced this, like this happened to me. And whether the me there is like a kind of um, a kind of like teenage spirit of, of teenage rebellion or spirit of rock and roll, uh, you know, sort of always latent through the years. Um, uh, whatever that me is here, the me stands in a different relationship to the, like to the action, you know? And, and by the way, the me is making like some, is, you know, giving some disclaimers here, right? Like for me, it was mostly the music is a way of saying, listen, I'm not like a crazy survivalist, right? Like making my own moonshine, stockpiling ammunition and building a bunker down by the river. I'm not one of those guys. I liked to listen to the music and these, you know, these were the guys I ran with because we went to the same, uh, we went to the same shows. It was more of a, uh, you know, it was a more of a right place, right time kind of association than a real ideological kinship, you know, um, uh, yeah. for, for, for that. And, uh, you know, so that, I mean, this, this is kind of of a piece with, with the narrative, I think that you're trying to construct of the, or that you're proposing, um, of the, uh, uh, of the kind of successive hold steady records and this one being being a return or a return to form or at least kind of claiming to be a return to form or or being about being a return to form uh, yeah. in a way that that's interesting and 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 uh, the the thing that I'm I'm adding to that is that it's a return to form the way you go home for Christmas and not right. the way you move back to your hometown you so know interesting so it's kind of a less than zero right it's, 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 it's less than zero in the the Twin Cities, basically. Wasn't that- uh, this is I'm uh, talking about the Brett Easton Ellis novel that uh, was, I believe, his first uh, first novel um, that was is about kind of going back to Los Angeles from a from a New England college, mm. um, and is also mm. filled with lots of drugs and violence and, and bad behavior. Um, I think that there's a few other just lines that that have that uh, as well, like in the song "The Ambassador," uh, the ambassador, uh, the the couplet. So again, the surface level of the ambassador is about. Um, um, a, a kind of violent confrontation um, behind uh, a seedy bar, um, and but then uh, and about someone um, and uh, this uh, and it's it's through some of the details. It's alluded, I believe, I interpret this as a character called Gideon who um, is uh, pops up on a few of the other um, whole city albums. Kind of comes back and and um, and 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 basically. Um, cracks some skulls behind this bar um and so but i think what's interesting is in just as gideon is coming back the the uh couplet in the uh, chorus is uh, i believe you came back to us south minneapolis and i think that that's really an interesting kind of um uh thing to parse here again of who is coming back right who is coming back to what and what it means to come back and as as matt said that when you come back for um, for Christmas vacation, um, you, it, not only that, that you, on the one hand, have all of these memories that are really clear, but on the other hand, there's a lot of kind of things are a little fuzzy, and that you 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 hesitate and you you qualify things. Um, and I think a, th- a third, well, kind yeah, of, when you bring your girlfriend from college, right, right, who knows you from the great books class where you read Leviathan and all of that stuff, and, and you're like, you know, well, no, this is not, you know, I don't know, all these these like twenty school pictures in a row lined up here in the hallway outside the bathroom right like that's not me 
baby. Right. You know, right. Right. <laughs> I right. tried so hard to, <laughs> to look at myself in college and, and said, that's not me. Um, yeah. You know, what? Yeah. So, and there are, there are a lot of things that have happened, like, right. Moving to Brooklyn is one of them, right? Like whether it's, yeah. it's literal Brooklyn or like a Brooklyn of the mind, which is about, you know, I don't know, being sort of indier than thou or something. Um, I mean, it's, it's this sort of double edged sort of authenticity where it's like authenticity is this like highly sought after thing. And yet it's also kind of a lever to, to keep the poor people and the dark people out. Right. Um, the, uh, but then, you know, uh, but, but then it's all, Oh God, I forget. I forget where I was, where I was going. Oh yeah. But then it's also getting famous, becoming a famous rock band. Right. And sort of seeing like, you know, I'm not, for me, it was mostly the music. It was someone to go to the shows with. Now, when I go to shows, Right. Like I have a completely different experience of, of going to shows, right? Like I'm on the inside, you know, I'm behind the velvet rope. I'm the, you know, I'm not hanging out out front. I'm not like, I don't need people to go to the shows with. They're, they're trying to get me to go to the shows, right? Like a show is better for my being there, which is, which is a different kind of claim than, uh, uh, you know, I don't know. Then me and my friends are going to go down to the show this, this weekend or, or, or something like that. So the thing, the thing has changed, right? Because, because you've changed, because you've become a, a famous rock and roll band. Um, and yeah, and kind of I'd, lived through a couple of scenes. And I had one other set of lyrics that kind of square with this interpretation. Then I'll kick it over to Mark to see if, how this kind of squares with your listening to the album. But I think on the um, next to last song, almost everything, uh, which is also another slow jam. Um, there's a set of couplets um, where, where uh, he says, and again, it's it, uh, the surface level is about kind of um, a relationship. Again, all, a, lot, a lot of these sur- surface levels are a boy and a girl in a kind of violent, drug-soaked um, uh, dystopia of some kind. Um, but the key lyrics in the first verse are, um, uh, forget all the feelings Remember the sessions, how we made a connection with the lambs from my dreams looking up at your hands and your hands pointing up at the lights. Um, and then later on, he says, um, or uh, he says, there are nights I get terrified. and I'm sure you get terrified, too. So, hey, won't you show me a sign that I'm getting through to you? I'm still pretty into you. Um, and so what I kind of see there and I think that um, especially the lambs connection is uh, also from. Uh, is imagery that's in a song on uh, the first album, on Almost Kill Me, that sort of says, um, uh, Craig Finn says, uh, you know, he says, all these kids looking like little lambs looking up to me. Um, and, and sort of says that, you know, again, it's kind of this idea of seeing himself as, wow, it's really easy to be a strong figure in this in this place, to be a shepherd, right? And, uh, and that... Um, and that what he kind of is saying at this point is that, in fact, the stage lights are much brighter and that there's still the lambs are still are, the lambs are still there. But he um, wants to sort of say, is this connection still there? Am I still getting through to you? Uh, and are we still into each other? Um, and so that's kind of and there are a few others throughout the album that I kind of see as being this through line about kind of, you know, again, recommitting to holding steady. Yeah. Um, so uh, while we're on this song here, and we're, we're looking at uh, a song, almost everything, right? Um, the lyric that I want to focus in on here, while I've got the the conch shell, uh, is uh, the, I think this one that kind of sums it up for me. It's just the Waffle House waitress asked us if we were Pink Floyd, right? So let's unpack that one. Right? There's a lot of interesting yeah. stuff going on there. Um, Matt, rather, have you ever been to a Waffle House? Oh, uh, have I? I've been to no. Roscoe's oh, Chicken no. and Waffles, baby. <laughs> no, 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 the waffle house. oh no i've never i've never been to oh, the okay. waffle house <clears throat> there you go right okay so the waffle house for those of you who aren't, aren't aware of this is a chain of uh 24-hour diners which is predominantly found in the uh in the southeast of the united states actually i don't know if it's in the midwest you know there are some in the midwest my my joke is that so there's one in in lancaster and i i joke that it roughly corresponds with the uh high water mark of the confederacy and, and pick his <laughs> charge in, in gettysburg and so that's kind of the i don't know if there's anything um but there, i know there are some in the midwest i don't know if it goes as far as the upper midwest but i know there's some in like st louis 
Yeah. So so anyway, the, the, the Waffle House waitress being like a completely unsophisticated listener. Oh God, right? you or, should or, anna- or, you should annotate that on on Rock Genius. I should. Yeah, I should get some. Uh, what do you, what is the currency of this realm? Rock IQ. <laughs> no, that that money is no good here. Um, <clears throat> so the Waffle House waitress, being a completely uninformed uh, observer of this, asks the band to hold steady if we were Pink Floyd, which is just a completely ludicrous thing, right? But it's it's the band sort of being self-aware and being self-deprecating, right? That um, that they're not that big of a deal, <laughs> frankly, and that they have this weird relationship with uh, with Middle America where they cross in and out of it as simultaneously as observers and also participants of it. Um, I, I, I really enjoyed this particular lyric here, um, and that kind of like sums up uh, uh, where the band is in its, in its broad journey and uh, what it's trying to say in this album. Yeah, I think that's like actually interesting is that they're kind of in – in the, and they're actually once again kind of you know men without a country that um, you know that they're kind of too big for the bars right like what happens when you outgrow the bar band but you're not Pink Floyd right so they're they're like sailing yeah. through this this kind of liminal space between the two um, and yeah I don't know Matt are there any other kind of stray impressions like lyrically that either within this kind of uh, interpretive strain or kind of other kind of things that you kind of caught uh, in, in listening to the album? Well, I mean, like, like, uh, like all, like all bands, like all scenes, like all good moments in music and like all, uh, all podcasts, like something might happen, but nothing will be never ending. Wow. <laughs> That's the first that, line. That kind of, that kind of frightened me. <laughs> <laughs> I hope this podcast uh, didn't didn't frighten you. Um, right from the start, I told you I, I can't spend the night. Though, though you can spend the night with Mark if you want, because you're there in the uh, in the meat space. Um, we, we really are. Yeah, yeah. No, seriously, meat space. We got like two enormous steaks sous vide cooking here. How's that for some indie authenticity right there? Huh? Oh wow! I mean, yeah. they 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 were really in a cow at some point. So that's <laughs> uh, as real as it gets. <laughs> Grass, grass-fed farmers market bought uh, pa- pastured beef. You know, I that that sounds excellent. Maybe I can come. Um, yeah, I you know I don't know. It was I'm I'm grateful to to have had this this uh, introduction to the hold steady and this sort of the the guidance of you guys to um, to to get me through it. It's it's interesting. My a lot of it to me was sort of sonically less interesting and honestly we've been talking more about the lyrics and the kind of the persona uh and you know where it stands in relationship to um uh, other bands and other movements and other scenes and other kinds of authenticity more than we've been talking about the actual like sonic or musical content of the uh of the record it seems to me much more than than in other uh, on other records, right? Like Ryan, it didn't take, we didn't have to like propose different kinds of multidimensional continua to account for like exactly what kind of music this is, right? It's, it's clear. It's intuitively clear to us exactly what, what kind of music this is. And I don't, I don't think that's necessarily good or bad. I, I just pointed well, out as pro- a problematize that as you're trying to wrap up the podcast. Um, <laughs> uh, I think one kind of snag on that is that on the one hand, I guess it's not, that problematic categorize what kind of music this is in that it's rock right as as uh mark said but i think that there is and mark maybe you kind of caught this uh or have some uh, some thoughts on this is that part of how i understood um the kind of this very compressed sound um and the specific way that the instrument sound and the production uh you guys both said oh it's kind of you know it's not great production what it made me think about is how kind of classic rock bands tried to cope with the 80s, right? So back to this kind of march of time uh, that, that um, again, kind of is laid out in, in Positive Jam that – you know, in the seventies, you know, uh, you know, they're they're your classic rock. But by the time you get to the eighties, there's there's different kinds of recording technology. There are synthesizers. There's a pressure for a lot of kind of classic rock bands to incorporate this uh, in different ways. Whether that's um, and or, and or even like, you know, no one, not fewer people talk sonically about you know eighties uh, or nineties Springsteen albums about you know. 
Tunnel of Love or uh, or even uh, Born in the USA. Um, and I think that there's and Mark, maybe you know a little bit about, about this about other struggles of like classic rock bands, the ones who didn't die, which is actually a lot of them, uh, but that uh, uh, to to um, kind of cope with the um, the the kind of pressures of the the sonic the musical marketplace in the eighties. And I kind of understood this as like a classic rock band living through the eighties through kind of being big and kind of having to sound in that way. I mean, is there anything there? Um, I, I didn't, I, that sort of feel free, thought feel free. did not occur to me, but like, feel just free to, to say make, that I'm totally full of shit. I mean, you're, listen, right. You're not, not full of shit here. You know, like <laughs> Wait, I'm not, not, not full of shit. <laughs> but, um, shoot, I don't know where to go with this. Like, I, I, I've thought less about, um, sort of 70s quote unquote classic rock bands that survive into the 80s as more as like the 80s being it's sort of its, its completely own separate unit. Um, okay, here's an actually a good example of this Kiss, right? right. Uh, the band who's just like, you know, is sort of the epitome of cock rock and it's like big, enormous rock sound. And I think either in the late 70s or early 80s, infamously, uh, did that uh, disco song, I Was Made for Loving You, right? It's just like awkward. It's out of its league. It's it's trying to be in step with the times. Like that's what I think of when I think of a of a seventies a big seventies rock band trying to cope with the with the fame of the eighties. But that that's not really a good analogy to what's going on here with the Hold Steady, right? Like to put Cold Steady at the level of Kiss, I think is a real is a real mistake. Yeah, but there's I mean what what there is I, to, just to kind of take to to kind of demoralize what Ryan, what Ryan has said. I mean there's there are changed circumstances uh, as regards kind of production the production of music. And and there's an attempt to cope with them, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, no, that's and that, a good way to describe it. And so that the 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 production of this record, where the I, you know, d- just compared with. Um, uh, compared with almost killed me, right? Where the the sound is a lot clearer, it's a lot more crystalline, it's a lot less muddy. I mean, I'm, uh, you know, it's funny. We should talk with someone who does mastering or something who could like speak very precisely to the to the differences. But like my my uh, sense of it is very metaphorical, right? In in terms of like the the way I have of co, I I know I'm having a different experience, but I, I don't have a technical vocabulary for for dealing dealing with it. But like uh, uh, there's kind of a there's kind of a clarity and a distinctness, right? Where before for there was sort of a muddiness and a, a sort of uh, a, a sort of gumbo of sound, right? Like, um, the, you know, I don't know. This is what we do. I, su- I suppose I should be glad that that they haven't gone the full Chavertes, right? And like, uh, you know, <laughs> hey man, there's a Chavert down by the bank of the Mississippi River. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, do you want to uh, tell us what you think about the Hold Steady, uh, about Teeth Dreams, and about um, oh, and you know, something we didn't get to? What you know? what you think that the uh, title of this record has to do with. Yeah. I mean, you know, what are, what are dreams yeah, about? Two, teeth two about? words, two words, vagina dentata. So <laughs> let's leave it at that. Okay. Um, the, uh, uh, the, you can leave a comment on the show notes for this episode. You can reach out to us uh, via Twitter. Uh, we are at TFT podcast on Twitter and we keep up a steady stream of updates related to indie music, related to authenticity, uh, related to things that that Ryan and I find interesting on that Twitter. So, you know, I don't know. You could do worse um, than to uh, follow us at, at TFT Podcast on Twitter. Uh, Mark, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Uh, Ryan, yeah, it was fun. as always, a pleasure. I think I yes. hear I think I hear the blowtorch heating up in the background to uh, to sear off your your sous vide steaks. So I will leave you to that. <laughs> and to our uh, listeners, I will say thank you. It's been real.